Hi, and thanks for checking out this week's Dynasty Blueprint. This week, Matt and I are joined by Dan Saneo to look back at Week 10. We talk about the fading Dynasty value of David Johnson and Devontae Freeman and the return of Kareem Hunt. We end the show with a Back to the Future draft focused on the quarterback position. Enjoy the show. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined as always by Matt Williamson and joined as always by Dan Sanio. I've got both of my guys here. We're going to take a look back at week 10. Dan, you have posted your week 10 Dynasty recap. And we were talking a little before the show. It was, it was a good football weekend, but kind of kind of a slow news weekend uh, from the NFL when, you, when you're thinking about things from a Dynasty perspective. Uh, what what were kind of your overall takeaways from the week? Well, I think you hit it right on the head. It was it was you know we were probably due for one too, but it was kind of quiet on on the front. We we saw a couple of running backs um, maybe lose significant value, and uh, aside from those few moves, I think we saw maybe a couple of quarterbacks in Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson really solidify themselves as that, that kind of end of that high-end young tier of quarterback with Watson and Mahomes. And I think we, I think we can officially announce, uh, I know this is going to be a really hot take, <laughs> Michael Thomas is quarterback proof. <laughs> oh, wow, is he? Um, yeah, Tom, Thomas has been amazing. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of these guys, Thomas and McCaffrey and Lamar Jackson, at, at one point or another this year have been on basically record-setting pace when it comes to their fantasy performance. So if you've got any of those guys or all of those guys, you are certainly sitting pretty. Matt, we'll, we'll bring you in before we uh, really get started here. Any thoughts overall about the Week 10 slate? Uh, there's a major cat fight going on behind me, just in case anybody wants to notice, <laughs> but it's mayhem back here. So such is life. Is it your wife and who else? <laughs> the neighbor chick. <laughs> Um, some upsets you know like it's funny because we we saw the Chiefs I know it was a week ago the the Patriots the Saints the Niners like who's the best team in the league now you know like I I was asked to do a power rank so I'm going to dig into later this week and I don't have any idea who's number one I'm still pretty sure who the good teams are but uh, there was some rattling at the top there and I, I I heard some crazy stats today too like Almost like every 300-yard passer but one lost, and like every 100-yard rusher but one lost. It was just kind of an odd week. It it really was. Uh, Dan, you mentioned a couple of running backs who maybe lost value in Week 10. We're going to jump right in with those. The first one I want to ask you about is Devontae Freeman. Really had an overall disappointing season up until this point. And then in week 10, we see him go out with the injury. Uh, He's going to miss, it looks like, at least a couple of weeks. What's the future of Devontae Freeman? Is this this a guy we're going to be able to start later this season when it comes fantasy playoff time? 
next season. What's your current outlook for him? Well, honestly, I think the future's relatively bleak. We we only saw a couple of honestly usable games. Um, really, no touchdown production outside of a couple of weeks where he caught a couple of touchdowns. And considering the way that the Atlanta offense has been, aside really from this week, it's kind of surprising that he hasn't been involved more in scoring. Um, obviously, coming into the year, health was was one of the major concerns and remains one of the major concerns. He was either a really big buy for believers or a really big sell for those that didn't believe. And like I said, we really haven't seen much on the ground. He's only got two games over 50 yards. He has been somewhat useful in the passing game um, with, with kind of a nice floor there. The, the ceiling isn't incredibly high, but we have seen a couple of eight-catch games for over 60 yards and then obviously those couple of games with touchdowns. But it just doesn't look like that, that RB1 Freeman that we kind of had been used to seeing when healthy and when on the field. Obviously a little different now without Kyle Shanahan there because I think the last time we saw healthy Devonta Freeman – Kyle Shanahan was still in the building, so it's it's one of those where I think his name is probably going to carry a little bit of value here um, while we're not going to really get much production, and honestly, I, I think because of the, the injury history and the kind of lingering, nagging issues, I'm comfortable selling off of namesake and, and just kind of getting what value we can at this point. Running backs especially are ones that I'm I'm more than happy to sell a year early than a year late. And at this point I don't know that we're a year early. I'm not even sure that we're a week early as far as as far as selling. So yeah, I'm I'm on board with selling, even if it is at a low point. Yeah, I think we're a year late. <laughs> or two years late. Yeah. Uh, really. Right. I mean he runs so hard and he's a smaller guy and he's had a lot of punishment and he's not young and this is what the end looks like for these type of backs. I mean the Falcons have a lot of offseason needs, but running back's now one of them. Yeah, so in this in this same backfield, we've already seen Edo Smith end his season, or his season ended, I should say, with a neck injury. So he's done for the year. That makes Brian Hill the, the next guy up. He actually looks pretty impressive uh, on Sunday as he took over once Freeman left the game. Uh, how aggressive do we want to be with Hill if, if he's still sitting out there in – uh, on the waiver wire in your dynasty leagues, we're going into week eleven, so we're we're really we really need to be focusing on that playoff run. Is Brian Hill an all in type guy at this point? I'm I'm not sure he's an all in type guy. He feels more of the the redraft type value to me. Um, I, I think he's a good secondary back. I don't really think he's. He's built to be that lead type. Obviously, like you mentioned, he did he did look pretty solid this this week against uh, a somewhat tough opponent in New Orleans. And um, you know, I just I feel like he's he's a replaceable enough talent where even if Ito Smith was still involved, we're not having a Brian Hill conversation. We're having the Ito Smith conversation. So I I think I think if as a contender, it's a good time to to try to get your hands on him. Um, but I don't think he's he sticks. I think Atlanta uses a mid pick next year to to find themselves, maybe not necessarily even the running back of the future, but something more serviceable. Like I said, I do think Brian Hill can do enough. I just I don't think he's the guy. 
I 100% agree. I'd be very actively attacking him for redraft, but I think he'll be replaced in the offseason or forgotten or not make the team next year or whatever. But I also kind of thought the same thing about Damian Williams last year around this time. Like, there's always a back or two that comes from nowhere with fresh legs that finishes the season really strong. And the Falcons' offense isn't the Chiefs' offense. But, before, you know, in the preseason... You could learn the off season. You could look at it and say that offense has a chance to be really good. I mean, so I think he's intriguing. And if you pick him up and he has a couple good weeks, sell him for something. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I don't. I don't really view Hill as a legitimate contender to be uh, the twenty twenty starter in Atlanta or or really anywhere, honestly. But I do think if if you're a contender and and as I said earlier, getting ready for a playoff run getting a starting running back at this point from the waiver wire is, is huge. So um, even with limited or, or, or no uh, hope for the future, as far as beyond this season, I would still spend whatever I had left on a guy like Hill, who we're going to be able to start uh, next week against Carolina. That's a, that's a nice matchup for him. Um, and then I think he gets Tampa Bay after that. They were, um, they were looking strong at the beginning of the season, but starting to to show some holes in that uh, run defense. Going back to Devontae Freeman for a second, and I, I want to reference our new uh, November DLF Dynasty ADP. We've just gotten that posted on the side over there. Devontae Freeman came in at RB30, and my first thought was that seemed awfully low, uh, a little a little shocking, maybe going back to that name value thing you were talking about, Dan. But then looking at the guys that are below him, whether I'm a contender or not, there are there's probably a dozen names on this list I would take over Devontae Freeman at this point. Directly behind him is James White. I think that's a slam dunk. Um, wow. The other Freeman, yeah. Royce Freeman, is behind him. Uh, some of the young guys that we, we certainly can't count on for this year but have some hope for the future behind him, Rashard Penny, Daryl Henderson. Um, Alexander Madison. I would take those guys over, over Devonte Freeman at this point. Um, if, if you're look, yeah, if you're looking for some help this year, yeah. Jordan Howard, Matt Breda, Ronald Jones, uh, Damian Williams. To me, Freeman might be Devonte Freeman might be ten or fifteen spots too high at RB thirty. So overall, Dan, I agree with you. Get out while you can. Are you taking a second round pick for Devonte Freeman? I think I would take that, yeah. Yeah, I think I would as well. Let's go to another running back who has lost some value this season. It's David Johnson. Uh, we know the story with him. He's he's missed some time with this injury, with a couple different injuries, actually. Uh, I believe it's a back and an ankle issue for him. Uh, he did make his return to the field. Everybody had high expectations, there was there was a lot of talk that the Cardinals' backfield was just uh, basically a, a system for the running backs. That uh, whether it's David Johnson or Chase Edmonds or Kenyon Drake, we've seen all of those guys have success at points this year. So Freeman, uh, I'm sorry. So David Johnson was a a popular choice in fantasy lineups and DFS lineups last week as he came back. And to say he disappointed would would certainly be an understatement. It, it's quickly gone from he had one bad game or he's battling this injury to he's done. Uh, I actually 
put out a poll on Twitter basically asking, is he ever going to be a, a usable or a reliable fantasy asset again, fantasy starter again? And, and the overwhelming majority selected no on that, which I was kind of surprised. I mean, hmm. maybe that's some hot take Twitter uh, voting in the, in that in those polls. But um, it, it, like I said, it was an overwhelming number. So, Dan, you, you basically are telling us we need to sell low on Devontae Freeman. Do we need to do the same thing on David Johnson? I think we're close with DJ. Um, I, I think aside from his receiving output, which we've always known that that's been his strength, um, he, he tends to struggle a little bit more between the tackles. But I think, again, that's something we knew. So he's, at least this year, almost been entirely propped up by his receiving output. We did see him week one and week five break that 80-yard barrier as a rusher. And basically every week, aside from when they played Baltimore, he's he's had you know four, five, six catches, and he's getting into the end zone that way. And that's kind of held him up. I, I don't think we ever see him return to return to that you know mid to high end RB1 status just because I don't think the rushing output's going to be there. I think Arizona if they can get him healthy will continue to utilize him as a pass catcher because at the moment they really only have Christian Kirk and you know the the ghost of what used to be Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, obviously the potential upcoming of Andy Isabella and maybe even something like Akeem Butler could potentially take a role, but for the time being, if David Johnson can get healthy, he's he's got a nice PPR floor. I just don't, there's no way you can price him as an RB one, and that's again another guy that with his name value, you're gonna get good a good return if you happen to sell him now. I know there's plenty of people out shopping for him right now. I know John Bosch has been doing his big Twitter polls that you know, basically plant one of these guys up against draft picks, and then whatever that says, he goes and offers for. So I think if you can find that sweet spot, um, which is maybe a late first, I, I think David Johnson's probably still worth it, especially in PPR leagues. I just I, I have a real hard time putting him in that RB1 category at this point because of the lingering issues, uh, because of lingering injuries, and... You know he's he's going to be what twenty eight in December. Uh, that's tough. That that's that's like we just talked about. Like Matt said with with Freeman, he's not exactly young, and this is about when running backs go to die, unless you're talking about the you know the Frank Gores of the world, the Emmett Smiths, and David Johnson isn't those guys. So this is this is one where I, I think we can be comfortable selling if we want to put it in quotations low, even though at this point I don't think it's selling low. I think it's just his market value. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, the one thing I do think he has going for him probably a couple times yet this year and next year, like you said, is I bet he catches a lot of passes in a couple games. You know, uh, sit him down for a week or so, and maybe he finishes in December catching quite a bit of passes with Drake being more the runner or Edmonds being more the runner. But, man, did he look bad. I mean, he looked slow when he got the ball, and they're not giving him the ball, and... I do think it's an ascending offense, but I would take any first for him right now. I would as well. And um, Dan, you're talking about his his usage in the passing game. I I think back to when he entered the league, and uh, he was a second round rookie pick in every draft that I took part in, uh, which obviously was a steal um, 
considering the production you've gotten since then. But the reason he fell is we were worried that he was just that third down back, that pass catching back. And you look at this year, he scored 121 fantasy points, 81 of those coming as a receiver. So we're talking about two thirds of his overall fantasy production is coming as a pass catcher. Um, for some guys, that's exciting. If, if we're talking about Tariq Cohen or James White, I feel good about that. That's not what I want from David Johnson at this point, but that is what we're getting. Uh, who scores more fantasy points the rest of the season, David Johnson or Kenyon Drake? That's a good, good question. I, I would guess, assuming he gets enough games in, it's going to be David Johnson, if only for those receiving points, because I feel like he can probably double those 80 or get that extra 80 points in the back half of the season if he's healthy. But, I mean, that's that's yet to be seen. I'll go with Drake. I think they like him. They acclimated him quickly. Right this second, he's a better player. I mean, in terms of how they look on the field. Um, I think we're taking a leap of faith that Johnson's going to look good again. Because really, even the first month or so, when he was the only show in town, I wasn't impressed with him as a runner. So I'm going to go with Drake. I think he has way more rushing yards. Yeah, I think I agree with with uh, going with Drake there. And even before the injuries and, and before Drake was a part of that team, there was a lot of discussion about they should use, the Cardinals should use Edmonds as the running back and, and DJ lined up outside. Uh, Dan, I think you even mentioned that on, on this show. So it, it's not, it's not necessarily a hot take. It's not a knee jerk reaction to one bad game. This has kind of been building throughout the season. Let's go back to that, uh, that Dynasty ADP before we uh, end the David Johnson portion of this conversation. In that November ADP, uh, DJ was not a, an RB1. He was actually RB16 overall. Uh, can, we, can we, should we value him much lower than that? Guys below him include Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon, my, my man crush Miles Sanders... So now we're talking about RB21. Is that more of where David Johnson belongs at this point? Yes. Yeah, I feel like the start of that list was more two-down guys versus what we believe David Johnson's going to be at this point, and that's just the third-down type role. Um, So, I mean, I feel like that's probably the right spot for him where we start to separate the guys that are lead backs with a little bit of passing game work into the only two down guys or only third down guys. So I feel like that's probably, he's probably fairly valued at this point. I don't know that there's really any of those guys I would take over him, but I also don't know that I would take DJ over any of those guys. It's kind of that hodgepodge, that messy area in running back. Everyone you listed, I would take over him. And I was extremely high on Johnson. Like he was my first round pick in my redraft league and, um, I invested a lot in him in, in Dynasty over the years, but he scares me right now. Yeah, there's some interesting names on the list, even lower than that, too, uh, who you could at least make an argument for taking above David Johnson, Sony Michelle, Devin Singletary, maybe. Are, are we going that far? Uh, the, the next name I want to mention is actually one I want to go ahead and ask you about, um, Dan, and, and this wasn't on the list. I'm going to spring this one on you. Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt comes in at RB28, 
in our latest Dynasty ADP. Obviously did not make his debut uh, this season until this past week. And he actually, uh, from a PPR fantasy standpoint, he outscored Nick Chubb. Uh, Chubb had had the rushing yards and Hunt had the, the, the pass game work. So what do you expect to see with Kareem Hunt's value going forward and how are you attacking him in Dynasty Leagues? Well, I think we expect to see a little bit of the same. I think they, they're going to use Kareem Hunt. They brought him in to be a weapon. And I, I think we we get a buy window for Nick Chubb because of the work that Kareem Hunt takes. And I think we can continue to buy Kareem Hunt in hopes for futures. The only issue with, with Kareem Hunt for future is that, I mean, I would say probably half the league is already out as far as where he can sign because of his history. There's so many of these teams that are uh, that are making stands on all of these things and, and not really willing to give these guys second chances. So uh, I think I think his future is potentially bright but limited because of his potential landing spot. So uh, I think I think what this what the Browns offense is doing is going to is going to generate a nice window to still kind of be able to buy both these guys cuz neither one of them um, is really going to overwhelm us with with points in the meantime which I think is really good for Nick Chubb because I think he's he's in that next tier behind the elite backs and and has that high-end value but I think we'll start being able to buy him for that more low-end RB1 pricing because of Kareem Hunt and I'm, I would doubt that they're going to bring him back if he continues to produce uh, but it's very possible they they continue to run him and just keep another weapon in that offense so I think I think we'll see Hunt slowly move up into that mid RB2 range. And I think we, we probably see Chubb slide just a tiny little bit. And until they get too close together for comfort, I think we can still buy both of them. Definitely agree with you on the great buying window. And it's probably about to slam shunt on Chubb because he's a great player. If his stock even dips by 5%, bye, bye, bye. You know, I mean, he's really, really good. And I don't care that Hunt's in the mix. You know, Hunt's been out of sight, out of mind for so long. You forgot. I, I, I forgot how good he is. I mean, like I often looked at it like, boy, he's not as good as Chubb. It's not that big a deal, but he's still better than most backs in the league. I mean, he's a really good player. You're right. You not only does he play a a position that isn't coveted around the league, but there's at least half the teams that aren't even going to consider signing him. That their owner is is, is going to veto it. But he did play a lot of snaps this past week with Chubb as Hunt being the Kind of like we talked about David Johnson being the wide receiver. I think that's a trend that's going to happen a little bit more around the league, too. Dan, let's finish off the the player-specific conversation, the Week 10 conversation with Dwayne Haskins. The Redskins were on bye in Week 10, but they, they're in the news because they named the rookie Haskins their starter for the rest of the season. So he he certainly has not been... Uh, he hasn't been impressive in his limited work this year. Uh, there, and there also have been m- multiple reports of uh, players, coaches suggesting he's just simply not ready to play in the NFL, which has to be a concern. Um, are we are we just staying away from Haskins and, and really the entire Redskins team altogether? And, and what does this do for Haskins' former teammate Terry McLaurin? Well, see, Haskins is the weird one because obviously they they have the draft capital sunk into him and and they're going to want to give him his due diligence. 
what I see is a project player in an offense or, uh, you know, on a, in a place that doesn't really know how to develop. I, I don't feel like it's, it's a successful match. It's definitely not a match made in heaven. I would love to see Dwayne Haskins thrive and to succeed. But like you mentioned, the reports coming out of Washington haven't exactly been positive. We, we know, you know, maybe the lackluster effort or uh, the unwillingness to learn the playbook and just kind of do his own thing. So I want to like Dwayne Haskins. I just, I see too much of a project, even for Dynasty in this case. And in the fact that he's there with brutal leadership and very little around him aside from Terry McLaurin. And we'll see if Darius Geis can get back on his horse here. Um, It's a tough one. I, I think, I think the whole community is probably down on him. So if you are in a rebuild or something and you have the time to kind of wait on Haskins to kind of blossom, uh, I think that's really the only place you can buy him. If you are on an up-and-coming rebuilder or on a contender, I'm fully, fully out. I've got no interest in, in waiting and just stashing a player, wasting that roster spot, especially on a quarterback, unless it's super flex. Then again, that's a completely different story. Um, but I think it creates a nice buy window for Terry McLaurin, who I think is the real deal. I think he continues to succeed even with Haskins, uh, even if it is at a kind of a relatively low level, because I don't think we're going to get tons of volume out of this offense in the passing game. I think they're going to continue to run the ball until Bill Callahan's out of there. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it last week that there's a couple organizations where you don't want your favorite prospect to go. Like if you'd love to, uh, you don't want him to be a Bengal next year. And, the Redskins and Bengals are at the absolute top, bottom of my list of teams where I want my favorite prospects to go. So I like Haskins as a prospect, but he doesn't run. Brandon Traff's a free agent. Trent Williams isn't going to come back. They don't have very good receivers. It's the worst organization in the league. Like, uh, what's the chances I'm ever going to check the box on Sunday morning to start Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, I think he's... And Dan, you alluded to this a little bit. I think when you talk about Haskins from a dynasty perspective, you have to just assume you're talking super flex because he is—he's just worthless in in a one quarterback league. Um, the upside is just not there. There's um, there's just there's not much of a you know a, a bright future. It doesn't seem uh, we. It's hard to see this team turning it around and. Matt, you mentioned the the Redskins and the the Bengals. the The problem with both of those, and again, we, we've we've talked about this on here before, is the ownership of those two teams. Absolutely. So that's that's not something that is likely going to change. It's it's not going to matter who the coach is, who the quarterback is, or or any of that, because as long as those two teams have the uh, the current owners, uh, it's 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 just a all hands off. Uh, situation in my opinion and and that stinks because I do uh, I do really like McLaurin but I don't think I can even uh, recommend buying him even assuming his price has dipped a little bit do you know who you should buy though Ryan who's that our friends at Harry's of course humans have been shaving for thousands of years but everyone has figured out by now that the secret to a great shave is bringing quality blades, none of this nonsense with flex balls and heated handles and all that stuff. So Harry's brings you sharp, durable blades at a very fair price. 
And quite a few years ago, I switched over to Harry's. I was an electric guy for a long time. Now I won't shave with anything else. It's been great on my sensitive skin and gives me a great close shave. So Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Two bucks a blade. They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century now, which means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory-direct prices. It's super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription, and there's no risk for you trying Harry's out. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund, but you'll love your shave. So, here's what happens. Listeners to our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated that smells great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So, go to harrys.com slash dynasty to start shaving better today. Guys, we're going to wrap up the show today with another... Uh, back to the future draft. We did this last week with our with the tight end position. Uh, basically, we are doing a quick one round uh, draft focused only this week only on the quarterback position. We did running back last week, and we're drafting from the perspective of a 2020 startup draft. So fast forwarding a few months to the off season, we're going to look at the quarterback position today, and uh, I'm I'm taking the the 101 this week. I'm taking the easy pick. I think it's still the easy pick, though it's it's maybe getting tighter uh, as the weeks go by. At 101, I'm taking, of course, Patrick Mahomes. And Matt, you're going to have the second pick today. Yeah, and I agree that the 101 is still an easy pick, but the 102 is an easier pick. Give me Lamar. He's two years younger, too. All right, that Dan Dan is very happy because I know who his quarterback two is. Well, I, I think I can comfortably take uh, Deshaun Watson at the three spot. I, I feel like he has definitely closed the gap in on Mahomes as Lamar Jackson has. I feel like that group of three is your one, two, three in whatever order you want them. I think you have to give the edge to Mahomes, but it's it's tightening up. So let me let me stop you there. We are going to snake this, so Dan, you, you'll have the fourth pick as well. And I don't think you would get much argument from any dynasty player that these three guys are the top three. And if you want to argue Watson or Jackson uh, or or maybe even Mahomes outside of the one spot, that's that's fair. But these guys are one, two, three. How big is the gap between them and everybody else? Because right now I'm, I'm not even sure who the quarterback four is. I think there are at least two or three uh, reasonable options. It feels like the gap from Jackson to everybody else or Watson to everybody else is, is pretty huge right now. Do you agree? Well, I have to say, Ryan, I don't oh, agree. Okay. My tier line comes right after the player I'm about to draft who showed up on Sunday night in a massive, massive way, I think officially proved all of his haters wrong, and that is Dak Prescott. He's consistently been higher on my list than most places you'll see him. Uh, He just hasn't gotten the respect. I know he's kind of struggled in those primetime games, but his last two primetime games he has shown up, and this week he showed out. So Dak Prescott is my QB4, and I actually do have him lumped in with those top three because I think he is that good and he'll continue to be that good, especially considering the talent around him. 
Love it. And to answer your question, Ryan, I do think those three are alone, but I have Dak with two others as my tier two. And at five, I will take Kyler Murray. All right. I, th- I think uh, Murray certainly would have been my pick uh, at six. I-, I think I might go with Murray over Dak, but that's close. You, you make a good argument there, Dan. Uh, and I mean, certainly Dak has been a riser. It's, it's funny. He's, he's now in, what, his fourth year in the league. He started with three straight years as a QB1 yet he couldn't even break into that QB1 range when you're looking at most rankings or when you're looking at Dynasty ADP. He was usually in the in that 12 to 15 to 16 range, and it just made no sense. And finally, we're catching up to the production that he's been giving us for years now. So Dak at four, Kyler Murray at five. I have a couple of picks here, and I kind of hate it. Uh Matt, we've talked about the quarterback depth uh, for years, basically since we started this show. Mm-hmm. Wait on quarterback, wait on quarterback, take Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger or Phillip Rivers, and we're probably now hitting the point where that's not the way to play it. Yeah, um, you're right. Those guys are certainly still cheap. You're going to get some some production from them, um, but but there's there's some concerns, and, and all those guys in that range – are starting to to think about the end of their career. Um, at six, I don't think you can go any other direction than Russell Wilson. So I will make Wilson the sixth pick. He's probably the front runner for the league MVP right now, uh, and, and he just keeps producing. It looks like they wanted to, to turn into a run-heavy offense. Uh, they lose Doug Baldwin from a year ago. They they lose Will Disley uh, a month into the season. None of that has slowed down uh, Russell Wilson from being a, a major fantasy producer and a major producer on the field for his team. So I'll take Wilson at six. And seven is 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 really, I think, where you start to see a, a major gap between, between the guys that we've drafted and everyone else. You're looking at players who have lost some value this year and, and maybe they'll be drafted in this exercise. Maybe not guys like Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, uh, Jared Goff. All of those guys have, have fallen down the ranks. I think I'm going to go with one of those guys here and I'm going to take Carson Wentz at seven. And that puts Matt on the clock at eight. Yeah. And it really puts me in a tough spot because the first three, I thought were in a tier. The second three were in a tier I would have had Wentz in his own tier, and now I'm searching. You know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is 35. Baker Mayfield might not be good at football. I'm not sure Jameis Winston is good at football, but I know he's good at fantasy, and I'll take him there. I know that's going way off the board, but every time he's on the field, he puts up fantasy numbers. I can I can appreciate that. I, I've, I have most recently uh, alluded to Jameis Winston's fantasy production as being bipolar, so <laughs> I definitely see those big swings. That the when he's good, man, he's he's good, and he gets that offense, and it's it's honestly he looks special in those situations. And then you get other weeks where he throws four picks, and he looks like he's never played football before. Yeah. It's it's honestly amazing to me. He may not even be their starter next year, but I bet he starts somewhere. Right. Uh, I think Rodgers probably would have been my pick there, so I think I have to take him. Uh, have to take him here at nine. I think 
we're we're way beyond the years of that crazy elite Aaron Rodgers production, but there's still enough of it where you see those special throws and you you see the big weeks, and there's enough production still where the age is a little bit less of a factor. Um, yes, he is 35, but I feel like he plays a lot younger than than a 35. You know, Drew Brees didn't look like that at 35. Tom Brady didn't look like that at 35. Um, those guys had their legs, well, they didn't really have legs to begin with, but they had them taken away, I think, a little bit earlier than Aaron Rodgers has, and I think he still has that youthful way about him when he's on the field. So um, I'll I'll happily take him there. And then I think is where we really run into the issues because I, just like you guys, would have had Wentz above those folks. Um, I think it's just got to go to the guy that I think can get back to where he was Maybe not up into that QB two three four range, but I think can solidify himself as a mid QB one, and that's Baker Mayfield. I think we saw slight signs of life this week as as we see Cleveland try to fight their way back into relevance rather than being the laughing stock with with you know having the surroundings that he has and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and David Njoku coming back. There's so much talent that the only way this can be ruined is A, Freddie Kitchens is a really bad coach, or B, Baker Mayfield is a really bad quarterback. I have more eggs in the Freddie Kitchens isn't a good head coach basket, (laughs) Um, but there's a couple eggs in that Baker might not be good basket, but I think at this price, at QB10, I think it's really palatable for potential big swing back in value the other direction. Yeah, I can't argue with those. I, I'm not sure Baker's good or not, but I'm pretty sure that the coach is not. Um, I'm back on the clock with my last pick, and I mean, I'm not going to. I don't think it's going to change what Ryan does, but I'm torn between Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford. I think both of them are very good at football. They throw deep. They have good receivers. I'm going to go with Stafford, even though he has bones broken in his back right now, which doesn't sound so good. It's not not a good uh, not a good trait for a successful quarterback. <laughs> um, it, it's, it sounds like he's had those for a while, and, and he's been putting up some big time fantasy points. He's a guy who has bounced back. I mean, he was virtually free in dynasty leagues this off season. I think he, I believe he fell out of the top twenty fantasy quarterbacks uh, on our dynasty ADP over at DLF. So he was certainly a value. You get down to this tier, and and this has been true of Stafford and and Mayfield and Rodgers as well, so the past few picks, and you're you're virtually picking between old guys or players that were just, as you guys have said, we're just not sure they're they're really good. I'm going to take one of the latter, somebody I'm, I'm not sure is good, but he is surrounded by some good receivers. He's surrounded by... Uh, he's coached by someone that I still believe is a uh, a good offensive coach, maybe a great offensive coach. And even with some, some on-field struggles, he's putting up fantasy points. I'm going to take Jared Goff at 12. Uh, still has five QB1 games this year. Uh, that's certainly among the league leaders. Part of that is due to a pretty soft schedule the Rams have faced, and, and I won't you know, I won't try to sugarcoat what we've seen in the past two or three weeks, which has not been great play from Jared Goff. So I don't think the Jared Goff we saw in, in his rookie season was was really him. But I also don't think that second year 
breakout was necessarily him either. It's probably more of what we're seeing now somewhere in the middle, kind of that Jameis Winston path, the the really frustrating uh, up and down uh, performances that, that we've seen from Winston from so many other quarterbacks. Let's recap really quickly. The first three were easy picks for us. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Uh, and then it went with Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. We felt like that was kind of the end of, of that tier. Carson Wentz, and then things got really ugly. Jameis Winston, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Jared Goff. Some names that fell outside of our top 12 included Matt Ryan. That was mentioned. Josh Allen is a guy I was considering. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, Drew Brees. Uh, Darnold, Sam Darnold was a guy who was once thought to be viewed as a QB one. Now we're not even sure if he's a long-term starter. One other guy, I want to get some quick thoughts from you guys on Jacoby Brissett. This is a guy I somewhat considered late in that. Matt, do you see Brissett as the locked in 2020 starter for the Colts? Absolutely. And I, I strongly considered him. I, I mentioned when my last pick, I was flopping between Stafford and Ryan. Um, right behind them would have been Brissett because I've always liked him. I think he. I mean, the, the contract shows that he's the starter, and it's the opposite effect, in my opinion, of the Redskins-Bengals. I trust the coach. I trust the organization. They'll get him weapons. He'll produce. Dan, any thoughts? Yeah, I'm right there. I, I think I think Brissett, I, I think for me, he's probably locked in in that mid QB two range, uh, with the real potential to slide into a QB one spot, considering what's in front of him. And any of those guys at the back half of that draft could very easily fall out of that range, um, and we could see Brissett and some others slide in. You mentioned Josh Allen, um, even Cam Newton could come back to grace if he finds himself a good home. But yeah, I do think uh, Jacoby Brissett is most definitely the Colts starter in 2020 and most likely beyond. I think we've seen definitely enough at this point to to put the crown on him. All right, guys, really good stuff with our Back to the Future quarterback draft. We've done tight ends and quarterbacks now. We're going to continue this over the next two weeks. I think we'll really see a shakeup with those. And then after that, we're going to pick right back up and do it again. But, Matt, you better be ready because then we're going to include the 2020 rookies. So start studying for that. We'll see how these lists change. That'll be fun, but not my area of expertise. (laughs) We'll see how these lists change uh, once the potential class of 2020 is involved. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.